Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Welcome, Pilot House fans, to a very special episode of Pilot House. I know you weren't expecting to hear from us, uh, but uh, due to some reasons, we have decided to record a very special holiday episode of Pilot House, where we're going to talk about holiday specials of other shows. Yeah, and it's, you know... It's holiday specials all the way down. <laughs> and I'm definitely in the mood for this. There's about four inches of snow on the ground outside. I'm wearing the, the new wool slippers I got for my birthday last week, mm-hmm. and I'm just like... I'm I'm ready to go. Like, let's talk about some holiday specials. Well, I mean, to be very clear, the holiday I'm referring to here is your birthday. Yeah, that is the only holiday of note in December. Yeah. I can't think of any other ones, honestly. I mean, it's the only holiday special we've ever done for Pilot House previously was for your birthday. So I don't see why we would change that tradition now. No, you know, all over the world, people gather in the month of December and exchange gifts, which is a thing that I'm very into, exchanging gifts. Yeah. Uh, and many of them dress up like me from the future. Yeah. Uh, when I reach the age of sixty, I will. I'll be. I'll be a bit rounder and have a whiter beard, and I'll wear a lot more red than I do now. It's and I'll gonna just be give a gifts trend. To people. And, it's yeah. yeah. We've been to the future. In the twenty forties, that's what everybody's wearing. Trust yeah. me. Well, uh, so let's talk about some of our favorite uh, or not so favorite. Strangely's birthday specials from various television programs <laughs> over the years. We didn't really plan a structure for this, which might have been a good idea, but maybe it's better to just, you know, just go freeform, you know, just like be cozy. And we've got our mugs of, of hot coffee. And, and although tragically we are not uh, in the same place, uh, as you might be able to tell from differing audio quality on our microphones. We We're together are... in spirit. Yes, exactly. This is a rare uh, Zoomy Zoom episode of Pilot House because we do uh, prefer to do it in the same room when at all possible. But uh, this time of year, not an option. I just thought I would go check, make sure my uh, microphone is actually recording, and it is. So that's good. Great. Mine is as well. Okay, that's great. Sarah, um, you suggested this topic, so I'm just curious. Do you have like a specific favorite holiday special that that you like every year you want to put this in or, or like you're excited to show it to people? Or is this just kind of something where you're like, it's that time of year. We'll talk about it. I've seen a few. Strangely, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I did pick this topic just sort of like, hey, do you want to record a thing? And like, we can Uh talk about holiday specials. It's not time of year. However, there is one that I I can't remember if I've shown you or not. I hope I have. But on the the other hand, I hope I haven't because now I get to tell you about it uh, on the podcast. Strangely, have I ever showed you the Christmas episode of the Liberace show? From 1952. <laughs> no. Oh, strangely. But All you're right. combining you're combining three of my favorite things: Christmas, Liberace, and a show. <laughs> so um, I had these two friends uh-huh. a few years ago who introduced me to this grand tradition. 
one of them at some point had been in a video store and was digging around in like the bargain bin and they found this box set that was like Christmas favorites and it was just obviously whatever they could find that was in the public domain not and then they just no no remastering no no picture quality assessment mm-hmm. they just slapped it all on a cardboard box put Christmas on the front and shipped it out like it was probably a dollar and one of these uh, the the Christmas features on this disc was an episode of the Liberace show which uh, apparently Liberace had a television program in the 50s and I've never seen a single other episode of it but my understanding mm-hmm. is that it, he would mostly play piano and then talk to the audience. Uh, and the Christmas episode is pretty much that. Uh, but my friends developed a drinking game around this Christmas special. And they would have a party every year and watch this movie with their drinking game. So the, the, the episode mainly consists of Liberace sitting at a piano, playing Christmas songs, instrumental Christmas songs, and then occasionally talking to the audience in between the songs. Which it, it, it sounds pretty straightforward, right? right? I mean, like, that's the Liberace brand. It's, it's good right, stuff. yeah. You're like, what? what is there to really laugh about there? Yeah. And uh, there were a couple of... I'll, t- I'll tell you some of the rules of this drinking game, and that'll give you an idea of what was going on. So one of the drinking game rules is you drink every time he changes costume. Okay. Okay, right? Classic... Liberace stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, you drink every time a prop appears or disappears mysteriously. <laughs> you drink every time the set changes during a zoom in on his face. <laughs> and you drink every time he's telling a story and he pauses in the middle of a sentence in just such a way it makes your brain put something dirty in the pause, which... Happens more than you'd expect. They referred to that as a hot throbbing pause. Um, he'd be saying like, you know, I remember when I was a boy and it would uh, snow and we'd be, it'd be all cold outside and there'd be snow on the ground and all the boys from the neighborhood would come over and we would go for a sleigh ride. <laughs> it's quality stuff. So uh, that is possibly my favorite Christmas special of all time. Also, at the end, after he's, uh, like, played a bunch of Christmas music, he's like, oh, it's time for my Christmas party to start. This is a classic holiday, TV holiday special thing from the 50s. (laughs) Ding dong. Oh, who could that be? Normally, then, it's, like, a special guest star. And instead, he opens a door, and it's just... A stream of his actual family and friends, as far as I can tell, coming in. And he's like, oh, hello. And then kind of shoves them out to get the next person. Like, oh, it's my brother, George. Hey, George. Okay. Oh, it's my niece. Hello, niece. He's just like <laughs> shoving them in. But it's my, kind of adorable. My favorite part of that is he's clearly on a set of yeah. a living room with snow outside. Yeah. But clearly in 1952, they had not yet figured out the technology for some sort of device holding fake snow to move back and forth at a consistent pace, like above the the, the set to yeah. let the snow fall down. And there were clearly just like three like guys up there, like crew members up there, just like with handfuls, bags of fake snow, just throwing handfuls down. <laughs> it's so inconsistent and like patchy. There's just like handfuls of snow being thrown. And I like to imagine just like three guys, they got cigarettes in their mouths and they're just like, 
handfuls of snow. They're just like, eh, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> these are some of the many delights of the Liberace Christmas special. And because it's in the public domain, you can find it on many streaming platforms on the internet for free. Well, so. I think I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty delightful and I'm glad to have shared this with you. Although I feel like I maybe went into too much detail and I should have been a little more vague so you could there'd be more delights for you to enjoy. But I think there's still there's still plenty plenty to enjoy. Oh, yeah. I, I, His mom is in it? Yes. Of course. And I that is like Honestly, that's one of the things that I love about the sort of like personalized holiday special where it's just like some performer has enough pull to like do a thing and, you know, get some other performers or to showcase their like non-performer life close ones. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, it's, there's something about the time of year that encourages sort of, I guess, stepping outside of the normal run of things. And you get things like Liberace having a cavalcade of his actual friends show up. Yeah. And probably they're kind of like awkward to be on camera and everything. Like that's yeah. really delightful. <laughs> it's it's pretty, pretty great. Um, honestly, I think that is part of what makes it so endearing to me. Instead of him being like, who's that at the door? Oh, it's Bob Hope or something like that. Yeah. It's just his actual friends and relations. And they all come on and then they all sing one last Christmas song together and then yeah. they're all holding presents that are very clearly all wrapped by one, like, PA. <laughs> it's pretty pretty wholesome. Oh, that's anyway. delightful. Yeah, I'm glad I could share that with you. Seriously, do you have a favorite of all time, one that you like to share with people? I, I don't know if I have, like, a specific uh, one, but... I think the one that I go back to the most is that um, stop motion animation, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, mm. from back in the... The Rankin-Bass. Yes, the Rankin-Bass. Thank you. For, I couldn't remember Rankin-Bass, and I wanted to say Rankin-Bass, and I was like, no, Rankin-Bass is the one who made all those weird animations in the 80s. It's like, no, that's Ralph Bakshi. Oh, but Rankin-Bass also did animation in the 80s, like, like uh, 2D animation. Yes, uh, but that's, I think that's why I get them confused. Cause like Rankin Bass did like Secret of Nim or something. Like, I don't remember. No, that's Don Bluth. But um, Rankin Bass and Bakshi both did uh, Lord of the Rings adjacent right. uh, animations. And I always forget which ones are which. The Hobbit is Rankin Bass. But then I think Bakshi did one of the, one of the other yeah actually lord of the rings trilogy but i i've never actually seen the bakshi one yeah that's a weird move it's it's the it's all of fellowship of the ring and the first half of two towers right yes okay and it was meant to be two but then they never made the second one um but yeah so the old rank and bass stop motion rudolph and it's really really interesting like that I was super into it as a kid. And I, I mean, I was one of those kids who really loved stop motion. It's like, you could you could oh, yeah. have some dog, dog shit Saturday morning crap made in the 80s. And like, if it was stop motion, I was all over it. Absolutely. Um, 
And those were always like my favorite segments on Sesame Street and some of the PBS stuff. Just, you know, and, and, and again, as an adult, finding out that the Henson Company was instrumental in a lot of that, it makes a lot more sense that they kind of used all that public television money to do like experimental film techniques. Mm-hmm. But as long as it was like the letter A, you can do whatever weird animation you want. Yeah. Um, and rewatching that Rudolph special as an adult, it is deeply weird. Like, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it. But I have to confess that I have never actually watched any of the stop motion Rankin Bass Christmas films. Um, I never watched them growing up because Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you're new to Pilot House, but I'm Jewish. (laughs) And uh, I've seen them like clips of them. And I, I at some point I went to a Christmas party at a friend's house and he had all of those running on his right. TV on a loop with the volume down. So I have like a general sense, but mm-hmm. I've never sat and watched the whole thing. I have no idea what the plot is of any of them. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, so the the Rudolph special, and it's been a few years since I've watched it, but like the basic plot is there's a little reindeer named Rudolph and his nose glows, so all the other reindeer are mean to him and he gets bullied. I mean, I've heard and, the song. Yeah, you've heard the song, right? I did have to learn the song in uh, jazz choir in high school. <laughs> but like... All of that stuff is like maybe 25% of this movie. So like he gets ostracized and then he goes out into the world on this like hero's journey to like find himself or try to find like a a different life for himself. Oh, good. And he like. In in this version of the world, it doesn't go. It's not all nicely resolved at the end with Santa going, no, you're really important. Or does that just like this is in between? This is in between to that resolution, just to <laughs> okay, like give him other. Right. But but the thing is, is it's like there's not like an internal consistency of the mythology. So like he like wanders off somewhere and then ends up getting attacked by like a abominable snowman. But then the abominable snowman kind of becomes his friend, and then he ends up going to like the island of misfit toys. Oh, and, I've heard of that, but I didn't know that yeah. was from this one. Well, yeah, it's just kind of like, it's like a grab bag of ideas from like other stories that he kind of, you know, it's like a weird stop motion Christmas animated universe or something like, and, and this is why, like, I love talking about this is as a kid, Christmas specials were awesome because your parents guard was down. Often the TV was on, often this would be at grandma's house and just be like, oh, it's a Christmas special, whatever. It's Christmas. It's. It's fine. Like, it's been vetted because it's about Christmas. It's clearly made for families. But, like, watching some weird stop-motion animated thing that's from, like, you know, 30 years before I was born, it was, like, one of those things that smuggled, like, kind of weirdo art or sort of bizarre stuff into my world. Yeah. If that makes sense, like... Because, like, I don't know of any other way that I would have become aware of strange stop-motion animation films from the 1950s without having this thing be in constant rotation. You know, I can also imagine for some kids, like the Liberace special, like that could be your introduction to Liberace. If that's in the public domain and people are just like, check out this weird Christmas thing of this guy like playing piano and waggling his eyebrows a lot. And then it's like, that's your introduction to Liberace. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I just love that fact, like, sort of thinking about that like by the time 
you know, Nightmare Before Christmas came along and James and the Giant Peach and like, you know, Henry Selleck's whole career came along. I was primed. I was ready because I'd been watching these like weird stop motion, you know, the things that Henry Selleck had clearly been influenced yeah. by as well. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I grew up on uh, stop motion as well. Um, just not these ones. I actually had a surprising amount of stop motion in my life. Actually, I would love some time to show you if I can get... I still haven't managed to get my hands on it. I've been trying for a while. There was a film or a, a video that we got a hold of when I was a kid called The Festival of Claymation. And it was mm-hmm. a bunch of short stop motion claymation uh, films stitched together with two dinosaurs that were supposed to be like Siskel and Ebert in a theater like introducing the different films uh and it is absolutely delightful and i it i haven't looked in a few years so it might be streaming somewhere by this point um but i I would love to show that to you someday with or without Uh, doing a pilot house about it (laughs) i'm all for it so i i now that we've sort of both said our faves i have another another primer question to keep this okay holiday special ball rolling um what is the strangest holiday special you're aware of. And I'm not talking about some like try hard nonsense, like the new guardians of the galaxy holiday special. I mean, like, I mean, legit, I, <laughs> I did like, just tell you about Liberace, but yeah. Um, no, I actually, the, uh, I have an answer mm-hmm. for this, I think. Um, well, I have some friends currently who, uh, before the pandemic, they used to have, uh, Christmas-ish party every year. And part of what they would do is that um, everybody would come over around like noon and we would have brunch and Mm -hmm. day drink and watch various Christmas specials, but not the, not the, the classics. Like they would Mm -hmm. find episodes. It became kind of a challenge, I think, to like find an interesting or weird, not even necessarily a special, but just a Christmas episode of a TV show. And one year we watched this Christmas episode of Alf mm-hmm. where it's been a few years now, but I swear to God, it's primarily about Alf meeting a child who is in the hospital with a, a chronic illness a, 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 that is never explicitly said, but you kind of get it's, it's a cancer vibe. They never explicitly say the word cancer, I think. And this kid is like, oh, because I'm in the hospital... I can't have Christmas. It's never explained why this child's family does not bring Christmas to them. (laughs) But Alf helps bring Christmas to this child. And at the end of the episode, the kid dies. (laughs) It's not like... Oh my God. And with this, oh, thank you. I feel so much better now that I've had Christmas. Even if the implication is still this this child is never going to get better. You think it would still end on a high note of like, I'll see you at Christmas next year, Alf, optimistically. It's like, nope, right. kid literally just dies. It ends <laughs> on a downer. Like there's no upside at the end. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. What the fuck, Alf? <laughs> also, there's an episode of... Uh, the Golden Girls that we watched where they're held at gunpoint by a guy dressed as Santa, but I don't remember any of the other details of that one. Oh. I think... How about how about you? Well, 
Okay, so honorable mention, and this is something that I, I actually really love. Uh, Lady Gaga made a Christmas special about what? Really? Like eight or nine years, seven or eight years ago. And it's like, it was kind of at the peak of her popularity when it was just like, she, I mean, she's still very popular. She's still very successful, but she kind of had that like right. global peak where it was just like, sure, she was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and she made a Christmas special with Netflix and it's Lady Gaga and the Muppets. Wow. I'm just surprised that I either never heard about this or completely forgot if I did. I'm I'm surprised that you've never heard about it for the the single reason that one of the guest stars who performs a song and dance routine with Lady Gaga of a gender flipped uh baby it's cold outside. Oh god, I'm like my whole body is like tensed for the No, it's <laughs> it's a- it's, it's going to be. It's it's absolutely delightful. It's uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, I did hear about that. I'm almost positive. And I heard at least about the two of them doing the song. And they just like, they do a really fun interpretation. I mean, you and I can't remember if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but you and I have talked about that song before that like, yeah. it was originally written by this married couple as like their party trick that they would do it at parties. And yeah. they were bringing a lot to it that just doesn't translate into the text right. when and performed also- by other people. Also, the, the, that song was, the humor of that song was built on understandings about society at the time that are no longer true. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, so it's, it's... to see Lady Gaga and Joseph Gordon-Levitt do a thing where he's trying to leave and she's like, no, stay. And, <laughs> and there's all of the built-in weirdness of Lady Gaga with a weird outfit and her she could do these weird eye, like, facial expressions. Yeah. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just this, like, wholesome, button-down, like, wearing his cute little suit boy as they're yeah. doing, like, a very involved tango-y dance. It's just, it's <laughs> so much fun. Oh, my God. That is, I also, uh, the idea of a Jewish person trying to, like, be like, I gotta leave this Christmas party. <laughs> the person being like, no, you have to Hey, adds an extra layer of hilarity to that. Oh yeah, uh, it's 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 a delightful thing. I I think it's still on Netflix. I recommend giving it a whirl just because like a lot of the content in it is just Lady Gaga songs, and then there's like somebody throwing fake snow on her and the Muppets. Well, they, you know, like it's just sure. uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I think there's some other you know interesting guest stars and stuff, but. The the weirdest thing I've ever seen in this sort of... I don't know if it's a Christmas special or like a Christmas short or something, but my parents, bless them, when, uh, especially the holidays, they just have their TV on. It's it's like there's like some public access channel called Classics or something something like that. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this at all? No. They It's just any any public domain video at all is in rotation on this and they just have, you know, it's like library of Congress, digital video or whatever. Mm. Um, and so sometimes it'll be like, you know, wow, the, you just turn it on. And it's like an hour long recording of the Boston symphony from 1953. That was TV broadcast or recorded and never shown again. Uh, but at Christmas time, that actually sounds really cool. Like if it's really random, like, Oh yeah. 
it, it does seem like that would almost be like you could you could build something some kind of game around that or, or like you could have a party where it's mm-hmm. like every certain amount of time you like if people lay bets on the genre of what's going to be playing and then you press play or whatever yeah see what's on I have friends that are like obsessed with this channel because like it'll also be like a forgotten artist from the 1980s who shot a music video who's just completely let their rights lapse and doesn't care mm-hmm. like that'll end up in there so you just get this like wild amount of stuff um but during certain holidays and things it'll be much more curated to be about the time of year sure. so during the christmas christmas season there'll be a lot of like you know Pavarotti sings the first noel yeah. or whatever but There'll also be these old Christmas shorts. So this one that I've seen, and I've seen it a couple times because it comes up at that time of year and they'll put it into the rotation. It's clearly popular and requested, but I've never been able to find it like as a YouTube or anything. It's like a short silent film from pre-1910. And it's called something like Caught in the Act. And it's, (laughs) it's a... It's pre, it, it's it's from a sensibility that because you know like the the Santa being like like fat is like a that's a more recent invention in addition to the Santa lore that like right yeah possibly arose from sort of the Coca Cola Santa kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a skinny Santa Claus, which is already jarring to my like twenty twenty first century American childhood sensibility. Yeah, and then he's like sneaks into the house down the chimney and is like depositing presents but then gets mistaken for a burglar and it's this whole like slapstick comedy of errors like kind of a three stooges type fight between like the homeowner and santa i I hear they just recently remade that with uh david harbour (laughs) (laughs) yeah have you heard about that movie yeah i have okay it's like that joke I feel like works whether you've seen the trailer for that movie or not. Yeah, anyway. no, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it was just like it's so bizarre because it's like a dude like having like a fight with Santa, like, how dare you, random stranger, have come into my house? Which like I feel like nowadays would be a sensibility we would have, but like in the in you know the teens or twenties or whatever, like this was like considered such a ridiculous idea and it's it's one of those delightful silent films where you know there's only six people involved in making it you know there's like maybe the director the two actors and a couple of props people and there's like ooh, what if he does this Ooh, what if this happened you know like right and it just like gets like oh man it's just like so weird and because it's like the skinny santa and you're like what kind of you know billy bob thornton weirdness is going on here and it's like (laughs) yeah that sounds genuinely delightful. Yeah, but like deeply weird across the gulf of 100 years. Yeah. Of, again, cultural understandings that we just don't have now around things where it's like, you know, there's just things in older pieces of art where it's like, oh, yes, well, she was wearing a blue bonnet to the soiree and we all know what that means. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we genuinely don't. Please, please give me a footnote. I, I have been listening recently to audiobooks of um, the uh, Dorothy Sayers, Lord Peter Whimsey series, mm-hmm. and the, they're 
they're from the 20s and the early 30s and they were written for that time period and the number of times they she says something and I'm like do not know what you're talking about they were like this guy he had a very blue chin and I'm like what does that mean (laughs) anyway Sarah now that we've talked about some of our favorites and also some of the weirder Christmas specials we've seen sometimes they're both (laughs) (laughs) what should we talk about next um, well, I feel like we have to talk about the, uh, elephant in the room, uh, Hanukkah specials. <laughs> There's I, a lot of packy dramatic Hanukkah specials. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You would not believe the number of elephants. Sarah, I, I, I didn't grow up uh, Jewish, so I, I'm unaware of the fact that, uh, apparently elephants are a big deal in Hanukkah specials. Is that, is that what I'm... Oh yeah. Yeah. Huge um elephants um anyway no i i i had nowhere to go with that joke um the point is there are a few Mm -hmm. hanukkah episodes of tv shows out there um and some of them are decent and many of them are inadvisable (laughs) many of them are why did you do this you didn't have to do this no one was making you do this and you clearly had no idea what you were doing. So why? Why? Um, obviously, I think to anyone who knows anything about it, the best Hanukkah special ever created is the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Um, Rugrats being one of the rare uh, television programs that actually uh, did Judaism right ever. Uh, <laughs> it was very important to me as a child that... You know, the, the on Rugrats, which was a fun show that I liked anyway, you know, uh, Tommy had, uh, you know, a grandma and grandpa that were like mm-hmm. people that I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do, uh, the Passover special is honestly better than the Hanukkah special, in my opinion. The Passover special is really like the peak of that sort of thing. And also it's probably the only Passover special, despite the fact that Passover is a much more important holiday within Judaism than Hanukkah. It's not, you know, uh, adjacent to a Christian holiday that has a lot of TV specials. So, uh, yeah. but the Hanukkah special is pretty delightful, especially because the kids, the little adventure they end up going on is strongly hinged on the classic of Rugrats, which is them misunderstanding a grown-up phrase, Mm -hmm. of course. And for that, they overhear someone saying the meaning of Hanukkah, and they mishear it as the meanie of Hanukkah. And Angelica tells the babies that there's a meanie of Hanukkah who, if you're not good, will like take away your guilt or something. I honestly can't remember the specifics, but they go on some kind of adventure to try and stop the meanie of Hanukkah. And it's freaking delightful. So, uh, highly recommend that if you can find it somewhere on the internet. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Uh, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a like a, a condensed version of our previous two uh, segments. That is the best Hanukkah special that I've ever seen. Uh-huh. The weirdest one, possibly. <laughs> And I'm I'm not counting bad ones. I don't want right. to talk about ones where it's like, ask us, literally ask a single Jewish person when you're writing the script, you know? We don't need to go there. 
Uh, but right. the weirdest one possibly ever is Lamb Chop's Special Hanukkah. Do you remember me talking about this, strangely? No, vaguely. Okay. And I all, like, I mean, just anytime Lamb Chops comes up, that's one of those, like, TV programs that I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. So this was not a TV episode. This was a direct-to-video, full-length film I swear, I can't remember, but I think it's about two hours long. And it, that's about an hour too long. Um, and the, the plot of it is that Sherry Lewis is uh, planning a Hanukkah party. And she invites some of her friends mm-hmm. to come and join her. And for some reason, in addition to the fact that she has not actually invited anybody until the day of the party. And then she invites three friends she runs into while she's out shopping. This is a very weird way to plan a party. The three people she invites are not Jews. Um, Oh, no, I think one of them is, maybe. And then the other two aren't. Anyway, they're three, you know, of her celebrity friends. But it's the weirdest possible choices. Okay, now, I should have done a little bit of research to make sure I'm remembering this correctly, but I didn't. This was in, I want to say, the the early 90s. Mm Maybe 1990, 91. The three guests she invites to her Hanukkah party are, and now I'm going to forget this guy's name. It's Lloyd something. And I had to look him up to be like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him outside of this special. And he was like a soap opera actor. Probably would not be especially known to the children watching this program, right? Right. Uh, the, but I think he, I think he might've been Jewish and that's maybe why she was like, I gotta have one Jew on this. I, it really feels like this was the, the guests were chosen based on who was available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the second guest is Alan Thick. Okay. Uh, yeah. The dad from Growing Pains, yep, yep. uh, Robin Thick's dad, in case anybody needs a little bit of a catch up there. Um, yeah. Alan Thick. For some reason. And Pat Morita. And what do they all... the three guests. What do they all do? Like when they come over. They just they just come over and need Hanukkah explained to them because they're not Jewish. Uh, but also there's a, there is a subplot of the story where Charlie Horse, one of the mm-hmm, puppets, mm-hmm. Uh, wants this computer game for Hanukkah. And the way that they handle the... This computer game is absolutely hilarious. Like the people making this show have never played a computer game at the time that this was made, but they've heard their kids talk about it and they're like, yeah, I can wing it. Anyway, he wants this computer game that has something to do with creating superheroes. You create a superhero character or whatever. Okay. So the three guest stars also play three superhero characters that he creates using the computer game, which somehow come to life. It's not clear why. (laughs) Um, So Pat Morita is... Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. A ninja. Okay. Of course he is. Uh, Alan Thicke is like a classic big muscly guy and he's got, you know, a muscle suit mm-hmm. and everything. And he's just like be- breaking everything in the house with his power and strength or whatever. And then the, the the soap opera guy is like this older guy. He plays like a floating head who is like, I am pure knowledge. <laughs> so it's, it's. I don't know. It's it's absolutely wacky and bonkers. Does you go he actually all of that, say, I am pure knowledge? It, 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 maybe not. <laughs> Something along those lines. It's some kind of lesson about 
being uh the 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 true power is in being yourself or something it's right. not about being the smartest or the strongest or the most racist stereotype i can't remember what the lesson about pat marita's character was um it's about being yourself or something like that oh my uh, god there's that whole subplot going on this thing is very long mm-hmm. um and then there's also a subplot about alan thick is lost and can't seem to find his way to sherry lewis's house and he he goes to a payphone to call them and tell them that he's running late. And one of the puppets answers the phone and they're like, who is calling please? And he says, Alan Thicke. And they're like, oh, well then you should tell him to stay home. And then they hang up. It's vaudeville level jokes here. Alan Thicke. Alan Thicke. Anyway. And then he finally shows up at the very end, like after the party is over. It's ridiculous. But the a big chunk of the movie is then after Pat Morita and the other guy show up. I feel so bad that I didn't look up this guy's name. After the two of them show up and they actually start explaining um like what what all of this is about uh and what what the Hanukkah story is. The puppets, the kids act out the Hanukkah story with songs. Mm-hmm. So then you get a bunch of songs in. Oh, Lloyd Bachner. Sorry, I did have to look. I knew it was Lloyd something. Yeah, Lloyd Buckner. Have you ever heard of him? No, I'm not familiar. No, of course you haven't. Because uh, Lloyd Buckner was a Canadian actor. He appeared in many Canadian and Hollywood productions between the 50s and the 90s, including the films Point Blank, 1967, The Detective, 1968, Ulzana's Raid, 1972, and, okay, here's one the kids might have seen, the 1973 film Satan's School for Girls. Uh, And also the primetime television soap opera, Dynasty. So this guy was on Dynasty and a bunch of just, you know, whatever films he could make. Like, this is not someone the kids would have heard of. He was the voice of the mayor in Batman the Animated Series, but it's not like they mentioned that. And I'm pretty sure this was before that anyway. So, um, oh yeah, he's also in the Twilight Zone episode To Serve Man. That's a fun classic. Anyway, mm. not things kids would have known this guy from, so I don't know why he's there. At least Alan Thicke, they, kids might watch Growing Pains, or I watched Growing Pains. Pat Morita's in the, you know, Karate Kid. Like, kids have seen Pat Morita. They're not the first people you'd think of to entertain children in the early 90s, but at least kids know who they are. And then Lloyd Bachner's just there. Anyway, um, this movie is so long and circuitous. And strangely, I don't know if you remember uh, a, a, a little time when you and I were in Los Angeles on tour. Mm-hmm. And we went to a little place called the Magic Castle. I do remember that. Do you? And um, the, uh, we met a, a, a gentleman... Uh, who who was also at the Magic Castle by himself, and Mm -hmm. we started chatting with him Mm -hmm. and found out that uh, he was was just hanging out. Like, he's a member. His uh, his husband was a member Mm -hmm. for many, many years, and he's like, oh, yeah, mainly just, like, hang out here sometimes, and I don't have anything else to do. Unlike us, who are like, we had to pull strings to get in. If you're not familiar with the Magic Castle, it is a private club technically for magicians and um a lot of uh, also people who do uh like uh, various effects in in the hollywood sphere 
although not not though maybe not specifically stage magicians. Mm-hmm. You looked you looked disapproving of my explanation, so I was no like, no no I no I, I'm agreeing. Yeah. Oh. You're pretty you're okay. pretty on point there. It's it's a it's it's the clubhouse of the Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences, which is sort Thank of you. a it's a fraternity of magicians here in the United States. Yeah, similar to the and, Magic Circle in the UK. Yeah, and there <laughs> strangely knows about these things. Uh, from a layman's perspective, it's a very cool, strange place where there are tons of magic shows happening and like fancy dinner being served. And if you're a member, you can just go any old time. And presumably it's like less expensive if you're a member, I I assume. Um, uh, But if you're not a member, you have to be invited by a member to go, is my understanding. I think they, don't they also have a hotel? They have a hotel. If, there, there's ways you can go if you're willing to pay like $700 per person or some extravagant amount of money. But yeah, if you just want to go like as a normie, you got to know somebody. Yeah. So there is a feeling of sort of like we we pulled something off here. Hey, strangely, you ever pull a evening at the Magic Castle? <laughs> Only once. And I got to say the tie was uncomfortable. But uh, we managed to make this happen the last time that we were in L.A. Uh, and so we started, we started chatting with this guy and while we were waiting for one of the shows, uh, one of the smaller shows. So there's just there's like a main stage show mm-hmm. right after dinner. Right. But then there's all these little shows in various different rooms. And also people walking around doing close up magic, just like in the lobby and in the bar and stuff. And oh, there's like a ghost who plays piano. Anyway, there's just stuff going on. It's really fun. So we were there. We start chatting with this fellow. And uh, he mentions that his husband is a puppeteer. Mm-hmm. So after the, sh- the main stage show later in the evening, uh, we ran into him again at the bar. And uh, he said, oh, okay, guys, this is my husband that I was telling you about. And we met him and we chatted for a little bit. I can't remember when it came up, but he mentioned that he had worked with Sherry Lewis on the, the puppeteering for several of the specials. And I was like... Oh, that's crazy because I just recorded a podcast not too long ago where I talked about Lamb Chop Special Hanukkah. Did you work on that? And he said, yeah, I did. And I was like, it was crazy. I I watched it growing up. I'm Jewish. Um, I was a huge Sherry Lewis fan as a kid. And uh, from long before Lamb Chop's play along, okay, I was like, that is for babies by the time (laughs) that show came around for me. But anyway, um, I said, it was so crazy to rewatching it as an adult. I was like, it's a lot longer than I remembered. And he said, yeah, it felt long while we were making it. <laughs> I was like, you're my new favorite person. I'm That's so sad amazing. that we didn't stay in touch with them, but they were delightful. Anyway, uh, yeah, that is that is the fun story. Uh, also, um, uh, honorable, not honorable mention. What am I thinking? What am I thinking of? Seems only fair to mention that that podcast was uh, Advent Calendar House run by my friend Mike Westfall. It's a fun, fun podcast. They mostly talk about Christmas specials, but then occasionally they do. They usually do at least one Hanukkah special a year. And then sometimes other parts of the year, they'll do other other holiday things. But it's mostly Christmas stuff. So anyway, you can check that out. Just two doors down from Pilot House. Yeah. Yeah. House in between the two of us. uh, (laughs) Super weird. Yeah. Oh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to listen to that house's podcast. The Adlet's house. It's the, it's the, it's the, the house on, um, damn it. Never mind. 
I thought I remembered the name of a horror movie that had the house in the title. Last house, house on the left. The last house. Thank you. Hold on. Hold on. Reset. Yeah, that one's the last house on the left. Except it's between us, so it can't be the last. Damn it! Still, still ruined the joke. All right. I tried. That's the Hill House podcast. It's the Amityville house. That's a house from a horror movie, right? I don't know. Why do I try making jokes about horror movies? I don't watch horror movies. I don't understand. Oh. Oh. I try. <laughs> Amity, as you know, means horror. That's <laughs> why so it's the name of the town in Jaws. Everyone knows that. Yeah, it's a yeah. subtle reference to the, the upcoming terror that will soon yeah. strike the town. Uh, Obviously. Oh, uh, before we finish the segment, I just have to mention there's one other Hanukkah episode that I watched for an episode of Advent Calendar House, which was the Hanukkah episode of Shalom Sesame, which was, if, if you're not familiar, the Sesame Street has done spinoffs mm-hmm. for various other countries. There was an Israeli one for a while called Shalom Sesame. And uh, I watched a lot of it growing up because a lot of it was in English. And um, it they did a Hanukkah episode where this special guest star in that episode, very weirdly, is Jeremy Miller, the younger son from Growing Pains. This is especially weird because of the Alan Thicke presence in the, right. the special Hanukkah. But it's like, he's not Jewish. Uh-huh. I don't know why he's there. It doesn't, he's not Israeli. Right. <laughs> he's... He's the most random He's available. guest star. Yeah. It was like, I guess they wanted someone like, oh, someone from TV the kids will like. So it wasn't about them being Jewish or anything. Right. But also it's like the younger son from Going Pains. Like, really? That was the best you could do. No shade to Jeremy Miller. Sure, he's a nice guy. Also, I'm glad they didn't get Kirk Cameron. But like, come on. Like... Maybe maybe they spent 30 seconds talking to Kirk Cameron. And he's like, well, I really want to like kind of have a Jews for Jesus angle. And then they're just like... Yeah. He was like, oh, who yeah, else from Growing Pains is Israel. available? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, God. Actually, um, I'm so sorry for the miscommunication, Kirk. We were just wondering, do you have Jeremy Miller's number? <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, so that's that's a one weird little fun fact. Now we can move on to the next segment, which we're going to call. Well, I, <laughs> I was going to I had one more thing before we left this segment. Oh, damn. Uh, okay. It's all right. Uh, I always love hearing about your take on Jewish Christmas specials and Hanukkah specials that Jewish Christmas Jesus. Sorry about that. Oh, I'm just down. (laughs) Jewish Christmas Jesus. Are you done? (laughs) Sorry. It's a, if you, if you speak the unspeakable name of Kirk Cameron, like that's what happens to my brain. I can't Yeah. He just takes over your brain. You start talking about how bananas perfectly fit in a human hand. If you, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Sarah, I love hearing about Hanukkah specials from your childhood and your take on them because it's it's just this it's a different perspective on something where like my perspective growing up was like, you know, especially growing up in the 90s. And this is something I've been talking about with friends lately. It was kind of like that weird period where the 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 idea of being culturally sensitive was to just in any way acknowledge that there were other cultures who did things differently. I feel like that yeah. was such a thing. Like in the nineties, that was like the pinnacle of, um, yeah, of, of giving a shit in this yeah. like really like not 
actually helpful or elucidating way, but it was like, you know, yes, actually there are people who do a thing called Hanukkah. We have acknowledged it. We shall pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the religious version of land acknowledgments. Right. And Did you know other people exist? <laughs> All right, we acknowledge them going back to the status quo. Yeah. But what's really interesting from my childhood, just this whole conversation has made me start thinking about it, is the fact that there were a couple of like Christmas specials within the sort of like Christian media bubble that a lot of my community was in that even to all of us, we thought were weird. I don't, I don't know if that quite makes sense where it's just like somebody is like making a Christmas special and there's just one in particular that all of this has reminded me of that I haven't thought about in probably almost 30 years. So oh, hit me. did I ever tell you, did, have I ever told you about a, a radio program produced by Focus on the Family called Adventures in Odyssey? Have we ever you talked about mentioned this? mentioned this, yeah. So this is, it's still running to this day. Uh, I think now it's a podcast, but it was like an old time radio drama and there would be an, a 30 minute episode every week. And, you know, they had like a whole full cast of voice actors and Foley and like recurring themes and everything. And, and sometimes there'd be like epic, like 12 episode arcs that you'd have to tune in once a week to get the continuation of the story or whatever, like. It's a whole involved thing that kind of contributed to my love of, of long format storytelling and old timey radio. But anyway, it's a whole bananas thing. Like go down that rabbit hole sometime. A lot of them you can listen to on YouTube and online and things. But they did an episode where they did an adaptation of The Gift of the Magi. And this is what's really weird about this is like this pun or this like wordplay I've heard elsewhere in other comedy things as well. And they did it and they called it gifts for Madge and Guy. Have you ever heard <laughs> this? Like, no. Yeah. So this, the gifts for Madge and Guy. Is, I love that that joke has been thought up independently by more than one. Yeah. Person. So it almost became like a, Oh, we found another one. And so it's like, it's just basically the gift of the Magi. Like she sells her hair, he sells the watch, she the watch chain, you know, yeah. the whole gift of the Magi story. Sure. But they call it gifts for Magi and Guy and update it to like a modern time, modern time story. Yeah. And, which like in the nine, 1990s being like, I will sell my hair to buy you a gold watch chain. Just, oh, so they didn't, they didn't update what the gifts were? No, <laughs> that's what's so weird about it. That's the that's the first thing you update. If you're if you're not gonna update the gifts, what is the point of updating any other part of that story? I know, right? So even as a kid, you like listening, can to this, you we're even like, sell hair anymore? I think you can. I don't know where. I literally have I. I've only ever heard of people cutting off their hair and donating it to like Locks for Love or whatever, right? right? Like I've never heard of anybody selling hair. I yeah, I, that's the thing. Okay. Is like a a lot of these like just like looking back on my childhood, a lot of the like Christian bubble media honestly provoked more questions than it answered with the worlds <laughs> that it would conjure. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> as, as we're sort of uh, heading towards the end of this, I have a, a sort of a Christmas special related question. 
that I wanted okay. to ask you. And the, the I, I may need to explain the question after I ask it, but I'm just going to ask you the question and maybe you'll immediately understand. Uh, do you have a diehard that you watch at holiday times? So it's like kind of like a, you know, it's an old saw that people are like, <laughs> Die Hard is technically a Christmas movie because it I was takes like, place I don't know if the, you're yeah. referring to the movie Die Hard or like, yeah. is there a movie you are a Die Hard for? No, so it's like, <laughs> like you know, I some don't. people watch Die Hard every Christmas and they're like, well, technically it's a Christmas movie. And then, you know, some people or families, like they there's a certain movie they watch every Christmas that's become associated with the holiday time of year because, you know, it's just like you're hanging out all day in your pajamas and you're full of cookies and whatever. Uh, so like I have friends who watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy every, you know, Christmas time. Cause it's just like, oh. that's what they do all day. They've got that on all day long as a family. That's what plays. Um, even though not a Christmas movie at all. So do you, no. do you have a thing that like this time of year you're like, Oh, I love, I, I love having this on. And like, this is kind of part of the feeling of the season for me. I, I know not really. I mean, I don't have that day. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have the day where, well, it's all the family and we're all full of cookies and in our pajamas and we're feeling cozy and like sentimental or whatever. Like, I mean, growing up, um, my family used to always go to a movie on Christmas day, which is a total trope of, of Judaism because theaters used to be one of the few things that were open on Christmas day mm-hmm. and they would be completely empty because most people were doing something Christmas specific. Right. Um, that's actually how I saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I saw each of the movies on Christmas Day in like a mostly empty theater with my family and like, you know, seven other Jews. And uh, as, as I got older, um, you know, it became harder and harder for us to find a movie we all wanted to watch mm-hmm. as my siblings and I became adults. And... Also, the theater started getting fuller and fuller because more movies were being released on Christmas. And I guess people stopped wanting to spend time with their families. I don't really know how this how this looked from the the, the Christmas celebrating angle. I but, mean, uh, from the didn't... time I was 13, I was going to the movies on the evening of the 25th, like with a couple of my friends because of that same thing. There was nobody oh. there. Right, yeah. But... Um, but it did. Over the years, it seemed like there were more and more yeah. people there. Yeah. And this is during the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're supposed to be doing cozy family yeah. stuff. Uh, and eventually one year we showed up to the theater we had picked out for to see the movie that we had chosen and we're told it was sold out. And we went, oh, this this isn't for us anymore. This This has been taken from us. Like so many other things. You couldn't. You, you motherfuckers couldn't even let us have the movies on Christmas Day. Sorry, I'm still kind of mad about it, <laughs> apparently. But that was the year we finally realized we can't keep doing this. And then my parents were like, the next year we're like, well, what do, what do we do on Christmas Day? And I went, you know, we're all adults now. We, we have to like drive to go to wherever we're going to meet up, you know, go to my parents' house or whatever. Like, do we need to still do this? It used to be a thing we did because... We had to do something with our time on that day. And Mm -hmm. my parents, I think, probably wanted to do, you know, something kind of special to make us not feel like, you know, I don't know, left out of what was going on or whatever. And like the movies was a fun thing to do and see a movie in a totally empty theater is cool. You know, 
But yeah, we kind of went, I, I guess we don't have to keep doing this. I think we did two years where we just went over to my folks' place and like made cookies and then sat around the fire and had family time. You know, the thing people celebrating Christmas are supposed to be doing while we Jews are at the movie theaters. Also, that year that the, the movie theater was sold out, we went, well, we could do that other cliche thing and go get Chinese food. We've never actually done that on Christmas Day. That was never part of our tradition, um, even though we love Chinese food. Uh, and we called around and could not find a single Chinese restaurant outside of the international district that was open on Christmas Day. And we were on the other side of town. So we were like, do, do we drive all the way there? I guess we just stopped, stopped trying to have something happen on Christmas Day. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so to, to answer your question with a lot of anecdotes, no, I don't, I don't have a, a holiday season winter movie that I always put on. There aren't a lot of Hanukkah movies. The ones that exist are generally bad. Um, I don't feel cozy about Hanukkah the way people do about Christmas because it is a relatively minor holiday. <laughs> so there's no reason for me to, you know. And I guess I don't have like a, just a winter movie that I like to put on to be like wintry. So I'm sorry, I do not, I do not. I had a lot to say on that subject, but I didn't actually have an answer for you. <laughs> Strangely, do you have uh, one of those movies you like to watch? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, I see. That's why you queued this up. Not because you wanted to hear me rant about movie theaters for 10 minutes. Well, I, I don't know. This, this is just something that, like, this was my introduction to this movie. This was my introduction to this world. And it, like, randomly was on TV, like, just broadcast television at my grandma's house three or four years in a row from, like, the time I was, like, four to the time I was eight. And it was like, we never watched all of it. It was like, it would be on, we would come in at some point, you know, like you would back in the day on TV. Mm -hmm. And I would see about half hour, 45 minutes of it before, you know, the whole family had to go do something else. So my cousin, who's about 10 years older than me, would fill me in on what was going on and kind of explain everything. So it's just, the reason I always ask this is like, this is a movie that will forever be tied to Christmas for me. And I think it is for a lot of other people, but like, is not a Christmas movie at all. And it's... Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. The first wow. Star Wars I ever saw was The Empire Strikes Back on broadcast television on like, you know, Channel 24 or 22 or whatever the heck. And it was just always, you know, it would be playing on Christmas Day and it would be like the Star Wars trilogy marathon. And I never saw a single frame of number one or number three ever. But I like before I actually saw an entire Star Wars movie at the pastor's house when I was like 10. I had seen four distinct 30-minute chunks of The Empire Strikes Back, like, at my grandma's house over Christmas, and just had the most confused, like, weird, giant, like, imaginary version of Star Wars in my head that I gotta be honest, and this is probably why Star Wars isn't this huge thing in my life as an adult nerd, is that... I was kind of disappointed by the time I actually just watched Star Wars because right. when you only see 30 minutes of it once a year on Christmas, which you're already like, everything's turned up to 11 for a kid on Christmas. And then you see this movie and there's like lasers and giant monsters and huge robots and all this shit. You're like, wow, these movies must be the best movies ever. And then you watch them and you're just like, okay, they're, that's okay. Great. Thanks. It's never going to live up to I, no. whether you, you know, I, whether you like the movies or not, like it's never going to live up to the what your child 
Christmas cookie addled brain is going to come up with to fill in those gaps. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I just, the, the reason I brought this whole topic up is that for me, the most Christmas image in all of cinema or television or anything is the Millennium Falcon flying out of a cave and a giant worm coming out and be like, and trying to eat the spaceship. Like that to me is what Christmas is all about. That is the true meaning of Christmas, Sarah. A giant worm almost eating you. (laughs) That's really beautiful, strangely. (laughs) I think... I think we can all take that message to heart, you know? At this time of year, we just need to remember that a giant monster tongue tried to eat a spaceship. That's the reason for the season. <laughs> oh. I'm so sorry. I have never, like, spoken any of that out loud to another human being. So this is, this is a real fun I'm- moment. <laughs> so honored that you've shared that moment with me strangely also i'm genuinely surprised we just got through you know over an hour of talking about christmas specials and we did not talk about peanuts at all you know that cue the sad charlie brown music for being left out once again (laughs) oh sorry chuck it's that topic has been covered. <laughs> Indeed, it has been well and truly covered. And although I do appreciate that it exists because it means that when I'm out and about in the world during the Christmas season, uh, being tortured by horrible Christmas music, there's at least one snazzy little jazz tune that might pop up from time to time. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Well, speaking of things I appreciate, Sarah Shea, I'm so glad that you suggested we do this as a little bonus Pilot House episode for our folks on Patreon and out there in the wider world who just want something to listen to that's a little bit less obsessed with putting (laughs) babies in horse troughs. For a split second, I did not know what you were talking about. I was like, why are we doing that? Oh, right. Yeah. Jesus. Got it. (laughs) Is that what a manger is? I just thought it was a cradle full of full of hay. Straw. I thought they just used to put babies on straw back then. It was the way they did things. It's easier to clean up after them. You know, that's what they do with like mice in a cage. And... Right? Yeah. yeah. It just makes sense. <laughs> just wrap that baby in newspaper. It's much faster and easier. Like a parrot's cage, you know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and on that note. Bye. and we're out thank you for listening to this special episode of pilot house we didn't do an update because we didn't actually have any news but i wanted to acknowledge that yes we are still on hiatus and no we still don't know exactly what the future will be for pilot house some things have changed since our last episode and unfortunately not in ways that are conducive to regular podcast making but Thanks for still listening. This feed is still the place to get your latest Pilot House news. And fingers crossed, we will see you again sometime in 2023. Happy New Year, everybody.